Welcome back to Jokerman. I'm Ian. Today we've got another installment of our In Conversation series where we take a break, take a little pause from our ceaseless journey into the past and instead focus on new music made by some of our very favorite contemporary artists. Today we're joined by none other than Mr. Martin Courtney of the New Jersey indie rock stalwarts Real Estate, who have just put out their sixth record, Daniel, available now on Domino Records. And Real Estate's been been around for a little while at this point, 15 some odd years, as I'm sure many of you have. I've been listening along from the very beginning. I just, I fell in love the very first second I put on Beachcomber way back when. So it was a real, real pleasure to get to sit down with Martin and go go pretty deep, jump all over the map with him, talk about making the new record, you know, making the old record, Nashville, Casey Musgraves, being a dad in a rock and roll band, and of course, that dearly beloved online institution that we all love to hate, pitchfork.com. Here's Martin. The last record we made before this, the main thing, felt like we just we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because it was like our fifth album, right? And we'd we'd like been a band for ten years, and it just felt like all these round numbers were kind of converging, and and uh, we were like, uh, you know, it it felt like it needed to be our best album. And then also, I think we had kind of over the years started to um, take to heart things that we'd read about our band uh, having like a very distinctive sound and uh, people being like, yeah, it's another great album from real estate. Just sounds like real estate. And it's like, and we're like, you know, even, even when it was positive, it was like, like a backhanded, kind of backhanded. Yeah, totally. So we were like, uh, we're going to like show them that like, we've got like, you know, more to us than just this one sound. And like, we kind of, we're going to flex our influences a little bit and like, try all these different sounds and, throw all these ideas into it. And I think that record is really cool because of that. It's like a very, very dense, messy, packed album. And there's like a lot of songs on it and a lot of weird ideas. And um, and and that was what we were going for, honestly, when we were making it. But um, I think, it, it, well, the whole experience of releasing it kind of sucked because it, it came out right, <laughs> uh, right at like the end of February 2020. Yeah, like worst possible release yeah. date in the history of rock music. <laughs> yeah, it really sucked. I mean, it was like, we were, we, we were like joking around like after the fact being like, well, at least we got those two weeks, you know, <laughs> we got those first two weeks before everything locked down. But like, uh, you know, it, it was like, you know, we had to cancel all these all these shows and then it was like, it just felt like we put this record out into like a vacuum Yeah, and uh, didn't really get any feedback on it. And then the reviews were, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just a loser that like, reads reviews you know and and uh <laughs> and i care you know i care about what people think about our music and so and so and not that the reviews are bad there's like you know it was whatever it was fine it's just like it, it, the main thing i think uh no pun intended because that's the name of the album but like, <laughs> the main thing that was weird about that was not having the experience of playing it live Taking and like it talking yeah. talking to fans after the show and like kind of just like 
having that experience of sharing it with other people just felt, I don't think I realized how much that kind of informed each record until mm -hmm. we didn't get that. And so it just felt weird. Um, and then, you know, I made a solo record in the, in, in the intervening years between then and now, like, cause I just like kept writing songs. Sure. And at a certain point I was like, I got a bunch of songs. I got enough songs for a record, but like, if real estate makes another album, like, Hey, I don't even know if we can. Cause like, I don't know if we can get together, and, you know, and this, cause it was still like <laughs> very, very COVID -y. And then, you know, we'll put it out and we probably won't be able to tour. So like, Touring, it just yeah. seems like more trouble than it's worth. Like, it seems like it would just be another letdown. So I, I did a solo record, but that was like a really fun experience of like, like not caring as much and feeling mm -hmm. like, not that I didn't care, but I was like, didn't take it as seriously, you know? And I, I kind of like felt free to do whatever I wanted and just like, um, yeah, the first thought, best thought thing kind of emerged there. This idea of like, I'm just going to like improvise a bass part. You know, I'm like, I recorded most of that album myself other than the drums and, and a few other things. But like, I was like, I'm going to, you know, there's this lead guitar part, like all this stuff, a lot of the stuff on that record was like me, you know, I, I demoed most of those songs and then re-recorded them in the studio. But like a lot of the stuff that made it onto the studio version of that record are like weird little things that I've just made up on the on the spot in my house. Mm. And then I was like, oh, that sounds good enough. I'll just re-record that. So it, it feels very improvised in a way. And like, you know, weird sounds, weird synth sounds. Like it's not really a weird album, but it feels weird, weird to me, I guess. But like um, this. So then with this record, Daniel, like it was like me being kind of synthesizing these ideas of like, I want to make. I, I kind of got this idea in my head that I wanted to make like a super concise pop record, like very disciplined, like very three and a half minute pop songs, like just everything boiled down to like its essence, you know, like, and it sounds like Absolutely. a band playing in a room. Um, but also like, we're going to have fun and we're not going to like think too hard about, you know, any individual decision. And like the, the, the arrangements are going to kind of come together in a way that, I mean, a lot of it was me demoing out these things um you know like which is which, which was different between like this record and the previous two real estate records we started to get more into like the you know just like me writing like a skeletal arrangement like maybe just a guitar and voice and then we'd get into the studio and into the rehearsal space and kind of Flesh build the song up you know as a group mm. and there is definitely some of that on this record and there was a lot like but, but there was more of a a uh process in the beginning of me like writing out these full demo you know writing bass parts and, and lead guitar parts and like programming drum parts um <laughs> you know like kick and snare like patterns that I, I wanted to hear and like a lot of the record kind of sounds like the demos but then also we spent you know two weeks rehearsing before we went to the studio and like so you got the best of both worlds where like i got to kind of have my say which felt important to me with this record i just felt like i had a very clear idea of what i wanted it to be so like, I was like, here's what I like to me, I think it was like this trick where I was like, I'm going to just write these songs out exactly how I want to hear them mm. and then play that for the band. And that'll be the first thing they hear. <laughs> so like whatever ideas they come up with, like which they, there were a lot of really good ideas that came out of, you know, this group of musicians that makes up the band, like, but also like it was very informed by like my initial idea what you I came to him with yeah yeah and like which i just wanted you know that felt like a good way of like keeping things focused you know like having kind of 
a more single vision, which was, I, I have an email that I wrote at the very beginning of the process of making this record. I probably had written like three songs at this point. And I like had already formulated this idea of like what I wanted the album to be down to like, maybe we should work with Daniel Tashin. Like maybe we should like, like, you know, maybe we should, I had all these, these notions that like ended up playing out um, in the future, which was cool. But I also was like, I hope this isn't a bummer to anyone, but like, I kind of want to have like, a heavier hand in the arrangements and like i just Mm. said all these things um so yeah it's just it's which is funny to i hadn't really done that ever honestly like had uh such a clear idea of like what i wanted when i was making a record sure it's like uh it's like the secret you know you're envisioning the future you're envisioning what you want and then you manifest reality and then sure enough (laughs) we end up with daniel uh the record which I (laughs) i love the concept of this is like the real estate like classic like pop song three and a half minute like just such a pleasant listen and then it's called daniel um <laughs> by a band that's called real estate in the first place you guys have never cared about your uh google google ability your seo yeah. <laughs> um uh index which you know more power to you what was it like working with uh with with the potential namesake behind the record daniel tashian who uh you know i guess you found through your daughter, right? Because uh, he has worked with Casey Musgraves. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely like that was my introduction to him because she my my kids, uh, you know, they get into a lot of weird stuff um, and a lot of bad stuff. But <laughs> the Casey Musgraves record, you know, we listen to all the time because, like, you know, we also listen to like I don't know the Moana soundtrack all the time. Sure, and like, but like. <laughs> That was at least one where, and and you know, obviously, I end up I end up finding things in the Moana soundtrack that I love too. Like it's like I can I guess what I realized having kids is like I can kind of get into anything uh, if if I have to if I'm forced to listen to it. <laughs> if you listen like to it one thousand time. times, yeah. But um, the Casey record was like it was a joy because it was like my kids loved it. You know, it was like this thing where we could all listen to it. But for me, I'm like, this is such a like well crafted pop record, and like it's right. like the songs are songs are really great and you know and the structures are cool and the production is cool and i just was i just really liked it and i was talking about it a lot i think i had probably mentioned it to the band and i mentioned it to the label like i was just like i think i I had said like it would be cool if we made a record that sounded like this you know Mm. like and i think i was at that point this was years before i started working on this album i think i was straight up envisioning like an album that literally like sounds like golden hour where there's like cool synths and these little melodic um there's so much melody in that record and like and it was it's very like kind of glossy and tight sounding and very like i don't know it's very produced this record doesn't really sound like that like i ended up having different ideas later on for Mm. this actual sonic palette but having i guess talked probably a little bit too much about casey i I get like obsessed with things and then i talk (laughs) about them all the time to whoever will listen so that's where like once we started talking about making a new record um one of the guys at domino chris that we work with was like well what if we hit up daniel tashian i was like who's that he's like he co-produced that casey musgraves record he's like the guy and i was like cool (laughs) you know like let's talk to him and he's a songwriter you know he's like he's like a really great songwriter in his own in his own right which was really interesting to me because with this record i another thing that i had kind of thought was like it would be interesting because I'm so interested in writing, trying to make these songs as like concise as possible. And like, I don't necessarily trust myself to like, to self edit, you know? Mm. And I had never really worked with 
we never worked with a producer that like I personally just never felt comfortable opening up the kind of the songwriting to anyone, even to the rest of the band for a while. And then over the years, that kind of became easier for me. Like I just was very self-conscious about stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess w hand in hand with like sort of taking things less seriously, like being like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, it's just music, you know, like it, it, the only thing that can happen is like, it, it'll probably get better if you're, you know, allowing other people into the process. And this guy is like, obviously good at what he does. Sure. Like, you know, he's got a tracker record that I appreciate. So, yeah. So it was like, this could be cool. This could be cool to work with this guy who like, um, who maybe could like help me, you know, honestly not add to the songs, like to help me take away from them and make mm. them even, you know, even tighter. Um, which was, yeah, what, what, that was the goal. Yeah. I, I realized looking back at all the credits on the records that I, I you know, have not really paid su super detailed attention to producers on each of the records, but you guys have actually switched up producers on pretty much every record. I guess Kevin McMahon produced the main thing and days, I think if I'm mm -hmm. reading the, the credits, right. But every, every other record is a, just a different person. Have, is that, has that been like kind of a, a conscious project going into each record? Like you're looking for something different. So you want to bring in a different outside influence this time. I think it's just, it's part of, part of the joy of making albums to me is like this, all this potential, you know, at the beginning of the process, like uh, even before I write a song, like um, is, is like just being like, what could this record be? And then obviously once you've got a batch of songs, it's just like, it's exciting to think like, who can we work with? You know, like, to me, like, I mean, honestly, Daniel, like, I, you know, uh, I really loved working with him and I, I'd probably like to work with him again because it was just like a great, easy process. But sure. And that's not to say anything negative about anyone else that we've worked with. Like, we've always had a great time making records, but I think it was just like this idea of like, it's not that we didn't like the person we worked with last time. It's just like, let's try something else, you know, like, sure. let's, it's, it's just fun to think like, you know, who, who out there you know, whose work do we admire? Like, you know, could we potentially get on the phone? You know, it's like, it's just, it's I, to me, like, that's just exciting. And like, where could we go? What, what city could we record in? And like, it's all like very, very exciting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of crazy that, that, you know, real estate is now lying in this, this nexus between like, you know, uh, Daniel Tashian, Casey Musgraves producer and someone like Colin Gian who like came from Ariel Pink's band and like, you know, yeah. the, the kind of lo-fi scene. But absolutely in mind is, is like a, that album. I, I mean, I, I, that record sounds so cool and weird. It's very like, yeah, it's yeah. Each, each record has its own, uh, sound for sure. And I think this record sounds incredible yeah. honestly and i can Agreed. say that because i had nothing to do with the way it sounds like the actual <laughs> uh engineering of the album but i'm like i'm very i'm super stoked on on uh, the actual sound of the record i think it's like mixed great it sounds awesome yeah it sounds beautiful And, and you were in Nashville for this one, right? Yes. What yeah. Was that, that's, what was that like? Well, um, it was really cool. We That's where Daniel lives. So he was just like, why don't you come here? And we were like, 
sure. You know, we've never recorded there. We've recorded in, you know, New York, LA, Chicago. Like it just felt like, you know, in Nashville obviously has so much history. It was like, why not? You know, that, that sounds awesome. And then, you know, we weren't really sure what studio we were going to be in until pretty like, until like maybe like three weeks before we had scheduled to go there. Um, and then Daniel like had some <laughs> like power dinner with like uh, <laughs> with Dave Cobb who runs Dave Cobb is like, if you don't know who he is, I didn't know who he was. He's like an extreme high level at Nashville producer. Like he's like, he's like the guy um, he produces like Chris Stapleton and stuff. And Dave like, I don't know, lot, lots of stuff. Oh, that's Sturgill, Jason um, Isbell. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, anyway, so he basically, he doesn't own this studio, but it's like his, the guy who owns it, like gave it to him to like, it's his domain. Right. So he, he was going to be out of town for whatever, for like the window of time. And, uh, he was like, told Daniel, like, yeah, go ahead. Why don't you use it? So, um, it's like an incredible space. It's in old, it's, it was built by Chet Atkins, um, in like the fifties, I think. And like Dolly Parton recorded Jolene there. Like, it's like got so much history. Like it's a huge room built for like orchestras, you know, and it's in, music row which is like the heart of like country nashville so you know it's funny it's like you can go to nashville and record an indie rock record like in lots of there's like a whole i i mean from what i gather i don't i'm not like an expert on nashville uh (laughs) although i spend some time there now more of an expert than me so i'm gonna believe whatever you have to say from what i gather there's like there is like kind of a hipper part of you know there's places where we probably could have made an indie rock record that like would have made sense but we were like more like in the country studio where like i think before and after we were there chris stapleton was in there and like it was it's just like the dude um philip who like was like the house guy like that came with the suit like he was one of the engineers there like and also um craig who who also engineered and mixed the record like they're like they make country music and like that's like their bread and butter they and it's like it's very different kind of experience that than what we're used to it's like you you show up at the studio at you know 10 a.m you're done by six you know it's like clocking clock out it's like more like a professional like yeah vintage uh, you know big industry type thing yeah which i was so cool to me i love that like i love that idea of like it's just a job you know and like it's the coolest (laughs) job like i was like so envious like that's your job you just get to like show up at a studio like five or six days a week and like just you know, I mean, I'm sure like it gets kind of tiring like anything else, but it was like, I was like, I thought that was so, it's like such a cool way to, you know, be able to make a living in, in music. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the dynamic for us was like, we were there, we booked two weeks. We we basically finished tracking in nine days because we were just like flying. Like Damn, we were that's... recording like two, two songs a day. Wow. Yeah. You know, and then we'd come back and add stuff here and there, but it was really like, it was and it it felt super fast to us but then the dudes the nashville guys that we were working with were like this is cool like we're like chilling we're like taking our time like (laughs) we've never like we're not used to making music like this like like you know they're they're used to doing like four songs a day or whatever like um and uh and bands coming in just like super shredder you know like studio guys and gals that are just like you know like we're we're kind of like we don't really know what we're doing. You know, like we, we were rehearsed and we had our songs down, but we're not like, you know, I'm sure they were like making fun of how I played acoustic guitar behind my back. <laughs> like, I'm not like a good guitar player. Like, um, 
but yeah, it was just fun. It was kind of fun to be exposed to like that style of making records. It was very different for us and really honestly, very inspiring. Like it's exactly what I wanted. Like we spent, you know, a year making the main thing. And then we spent nine days making this. Like, it's just like, that's why it was, it was just like, and that's what I want. I was like, I, I want to have these songs ready to go and then just like get into the studio and get out. And like, it also kind of works better with my, my lifestyle. Like I've got kids and stuff. I can't you got other stuff to do. Yeah. Long. You got to, yeah. you got to cook dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I think that that totally makes sense. And you can hear it in the record, you know, the, the, just how like perfect, easily, um, you know, essentially true each song is like it, it everything kind of unfolds so naturally. And I mean, the recording process you're describing, that's how it was done in the past. You know, like Bob Dylan went down to Nashville and cut Blonde on Blonde and just like, you know, uh, ran through a bunch of those tracks, you know, in, in just a couple of days. And uh, and that's it, Blonde on Blonde, you know. <laughs> It's like it's so inspiring to listen to that stuff too, because it's like, yeah, you just hear, like, you know, the the band probably heard that song for the first time, you know, maybe an hour before, an hour before, maybe, yeah, you know, and like, and they're just like, cool, like, I guess I'll play this, and it's all the parts are like just right for the for the song, you know, the things like overwrought or over over overthought, you know, it's like. Yeah, I love that stuff. Never needed to get any more complicated than it was, you know, sixty something years ago. <laughs> Um, lyrically, if we could talk a little bit about the writing on this record, and it's, it's interesting to hear you say like, you know, uh, you've taken some comments about real estate to heart and people, you know, will often say like, oh, it's a real estate record. It sounds like a real estate record because, you know, in, in one angle that is true. I mean, a real, you, you can, you, you do sound like real estate. You always sound like real estate, but looking at like the lyrical evolution of the band, of your writing, I've, I've been listening to you guys like since since the the self titled record and since Reality back in two thousand nine, and like like looking back at those records and hearing like Budweiser Sprite, do you feel all right? Versus <laughs> versus now today, which Suburban Beverage is one of my all time favorite songs. I want to just make that clear. Uh, but like compared to today, what you get on Daniel, which has got this focus on something that I conceive of as like a like a mature contentment, like an adult, a, an adult happiness, finding a way to be at peace with where you're at in the moment um, and what you have at any given time. Um, like that, that seems like a pretty extraordinary journey to me on a, and a major kind of change over time that has been gradual in every step of the way from the self-titled record to days to Atlas and so on. But um, I don't know, is, is, is that, is that something that you're conscious of like trying to break new ground lyrically when you go into the writing process? The only thing I'm conscious of is like trying to make lyrics that are not bad, <laughs> you know, and like trying to make stuff that feels like it's worth singing. Um, and I mean, I'm really just writing, you know, it, 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 it actually gets, it's gotten harder. Cause, cause I, I mean, well, you know, my, like my per everyday life is like, you know, to me, I mean, and I think anybody would feel this way. Like, uh, it doesn't feel like any, I mean, I've always, I guess I've always struggled with this like su subject matter with, with lyrics and like, but as I guess I've gotten, um, busier and like, uh, like responsibilities have piled up or whatever. Like I, that's kind of made its way into my songwriting. And then also just, I think the last few years, like, you know, feeling really conflicted about, being a musician at all and like kind of the state of things and the state of the world and also just like you know having a family and feeling this responsibility and just, it's just like yeah I, I guess I've just become I've become way more kind of 
conflicted about the whole thing. And so that's kind of made its way into my lyrics and like, and yeah. And I guess when you mentioned like contentment, it's like me. Yeah. I, I kind of, there are a few songs on this record where I talk about, like, I think just sort of trying to accept your place, you know, in this sure. world and like, and like allowing yourself to be okay with like yourself and like, and, and the, you know, where you've kind of, uh, ended up at this point um but like yeah i don't know i mean it's funny like because I, I was trying to light right uh, i was trying to write like these light-hearted <laughs> pop songs you know and <laughs> and uh but yeah but like the subject matter ends up being on, on a lot of these songs like kind of dark you know it's like it's totally to me like it it's 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 very like introspective and and feeling i've i don't know i've just gone through a, a a period of feeling very conflicted and very confused over the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I think hopefully, yeah, I mean, actually my fear was that like my can, it's me just exploring that stuff. Like I, mm -hmm. I was hoping that the lyrics would not make no sense. Cause I'm, I'm not making my sense, <laughs> making sense to myself, but like, I think, I think maybe hopefully it's, I mean, another thing that I try to think about is like being self-conscious and not wanting to get too like, too personal you know like or like revealing too much about myself or my personal life like mm. i think sometimes is good like i think sometimes it's in a way i mean a it's unavoidable and i end up doing it anyway and that these songs are very very much way more personal than i probably intended them to be um but also I, you want like a universality hopefully that other people can kind of find something in you know and relate totally. something to their own lives totally yeah yeah i mean and that's it's interesting that you say that because like that, that like heart bearing, you know, just like uh, a word vomit, um, like oversharing style of lyric writing, right? Like that's very on vogue at the moment, um, you know, for good reason. It, it makes for interesting, exciting listens a lot of times. Um, sure. But it, uh, it, it, a lot of that stuff to me like lacks that universality. You know, it's hard for me to listen to it and find myself within the music, um, which is yeah. not necessarily a problem. That might not be what they're doing, but that's always what I've so much appreciated about real estate is my ability to kind of locate me and my experiences in where you're at, what you're writing about, even as it is coming from, you know, your life and, and not mine. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, again, I'm not trying to take this stuff too seriously. It's like, you know what I mean? I'm just writing songs. And so I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm just trying to get anything down <laughs> in sure. terms of lyrics. And then it's like, so hopefully like, I'm not claiming to like, yeah, to, to be writing like anything super deep and like, but then again, like hopefully people find something in it, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it's true. Like when, when, when someone is, yeah, when it's, when it's really extremely personal, you kind of have to like go there with it. You know what I mean? Or like right. you have to either be in that person in that same headspace or like you're going to end up there. Um, which is totally, again, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But like, um, I don't know, I guess it's just not my style. It's like, hard. it's, you know what I mean? It's such, such a personal thing, writing music. Totally. Um, you said uh, a minute ago that you're like, kind of, you've been feeling conflicted as a musician. What, what do you, what do you mean by that? it's uh getting harder and harder to do this <laughs> you know it's i mean for my own personal like you know i've got like i said i've got kids and family and it's like it um it becomes hard to travel you know it's like just logistically it's hard it's, it's you know not fun to be away from your family and it's it's also just hard you know like 
because my basically what I do when I'm home is like you drive my kids around and like make dinner and stuff. So when I'm gone, <laughs> then like somebody else has to do that stuff. Sure. So that becomes harder, you know, puts more pressure on everybody else in my life. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's like you're trying to balance this thing where like I obviously really love doing it, you know, and so I want to keep doing it. And I've had like this certain amount of um success doing it or like i've i've been kind of yeah like i've done well enough that it's sort of made sense to to continue to do it you know right. to this point but like each time you're making a decision to make another record and to like continue this process of like being a musician is like i'm very much aware of like all that goes into that you know and then and then it's like i'm like balancing like is it going to be worth it you know is, is you know like and yeah. and uh just just on like a yeah logistical level and like um yeah yeah i I, it's like the thing is is it's always going to be worth making music and i'm always going to want to make music and so like i just know that that's never going to go away um but yeah like my just my relationship with like being a professional musician is is can be um fraught for sure and you know and it's yeah it's just a yeah it's just a thing where you're like i'm not we never really like as as lucky as we've been we've we never like broke through to the point where it's like yeah obviously i'll go on tour because like i'll make a ton of money like it's like i'm right. gonna the, make the just real estate eras to tour is not yeah, like, uh forthcoming yeah like it's it's not like an obvious thing you know what i mean it's like it, it yeah it's whatever it's just it's a calculation you have to make yeah absolutely and i mean you know there is uh, like you just mentioned right like there is a difference between making music writing songs you know uh, uh pursuing artistic endeavors and then and then pursuing that and, and like turning that into a, you know, financial mechanism in your life and all of mm-hmm. the shit that comes along with that going on tour and going to studios and other places and doing this kind of fucking thing where you're talking to me for an hour. Um, you know, that that element of things is bolted on to the like art making part of things. Right. Because that's just the way yeah. it happens in our, you know, our economic system. But like the two don't necessarily have to go hand in hand. Yeah, no, I mean, you can, you can shoe all that, but then, um, you're going to have to figure out a different way to make money. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, <laughs> then like you got to get a job. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's fine too. You know, like, and they, that's kind of, that's the conflict. I'm like, maybe, I don't know. Like sometimes I'm like, maybe I just keep making music, but like, if I don't tour, like I'm not going to make a living. So I got to figure something else out. And then, yeah, I don't know. But I do, I mean, that's, I love touring too. Like, obviously I love playing shows, but it's, it's, uh, it's hard to do. Totally. It's difficult. Yeah, you guys have that. I just saw you announce that um, that bingo uh, night show. I'm in San Francisco, so I, I nice. got to come out for that. It's like I love I, the the. <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, seen the Yola Tango like spin the wheel thing where they've done yeah. a similar kind of thing. I, it just like brought to mind that it's that's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, um, we were, yeah we uh, no we weren't influenced at all by that. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. As as with fellow fellow New career. Jersey legends, yeah. As with the rest of our career, we've never we've never had any influence from Yola Tango. From Yola Tango, yeah, they're <laughs> one of the least influential bands uh, in indie rock in general. Yola Tango, yeah. especially uh, not influential on another band that uh, you know grew up. I don't know, fifteen miles from from where they were yeah. founded. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love them so much. They're my favorite for sure. <sighs> uh, yeah, I'm excited about that show. It'll be it'll be pretty fun. It's gonna be great. Weird. We sit in furnished rooms, listen to Harvest Moon, making plans to see each other soon. I live in disarray. I just wish you was.
back to the record, it, it's a pretty, it's a smooth listen, I, I think. A, like, totally effective uh, from this, like, pop song writing angle, which you mentioned earlier. It's like 30 mi- 38 minutes, 39 minutes, something like that, according to how it shows up in iTunes, which I think is, like, it's the it perfect is, length yeah. for a record. I, like, 40 minutes, that is the primo amount of time yeah. for if an anything, album, I was like, I'm concerned. I was like, it's a bit short. 38 is, like, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah anyway it's it's great it's 11 songs is the other thing (laughs) yeah that's part like the the great thing about a short record is you can just start it over again you put it back on you turn it you turn the side b back to side a and you listen to it again it's i love that Um, yeah i don't i don't i mean i i don't think it's impossible to have like a, a very like an hour long perfect album but like i think it's a lot easier to make a perfect album if it's like short totally. <laughs> you know i and i've always i've always subscribed to that i, I like short records yeah that's uh it's uh, count me count me a fan as well unfortunately not a uh a direction the music industry seems to be moving at this point where you just want to turn out like a 25 song album that isn't really even an album it's just yeah. a collection of songs that get served up in algorithmic playlists anyways yeah it's a it's, a it's it's a smooth listen it's a super smooth listen very effective from that matter uh, but there is this kind of tension, I think, between the way that a lot of the songs sound and the and the darker subject matter, uh, like you mentioned a moment ago. This haunted world is killing me, you know. Obviously, and uh, lead single um, was that was that the idea going in, or did you kind of find that that the fact that you were writing lyrics that were more conflicted with the music did that just kind of end up happening, end up becoming the case as you were recording it? I guess I kind of saw it happening as I went along writing the songs, you know, um, right. you know, as they, they get started coalesced into this critical mass of tunes. Um, I was like, Oh, this is like going in a direction that I wasn't expecting, uh, pe- you know, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, the idea was always to make a, like just to, to get back to the, the shortness of it or the tight tightness of it. Like that was always the idea was to, yeah, to have it be short and, and, and kind of concise. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's good. Like to me, um, it, it'd be one thing to make, like going into a project like this, knowing that I wanted to make a pop record, um, you want there to at least hopefully be something there to chew on lyrically. Otherwise it's just going to be 38 minutes of like, your candy which also there's really nothing wrong with that <laughs> at all but it's not i mean it it maybe leaves you with less that you want to come back to totally. you know and so i mean for it's always been i think the goal with this band is to make stuff that is immediately appealing but then you know even with the arrangements um and like the you know layers of melody and stuff just like hopefully having something that will continue to reveal more layers you know upon repeated listens i mean that's like that's just always the goal um so like i mean hopefully you you can get that out of the the lyrics as well just like you know it's yeah i tried to i tried to come up with like little like water underground just sounded cool to me like (laughs) catchy little (laughs) phrases that sounded cool um that sounded like they belonged in a song but then trying to build something around that that like you know like what you know trying to figure out what water underground is what <laughs> like what means, does that mean right. to me like i like the way that sounds i like the image of it like a like a river flowing under the ground like that sounds really cool to me but then i was like you know what is that to me it's like that's i don't know like i think what i ended up writing that song about is like yeah like your uh 
kind of subconscious, like creative, the place, the kind of creative place in your brain, you know, like where sure. you get your ideas or something like, yeah, it's very simple, but like, anyway, yeah, just, yeah, hope I, I again, it kind of just happened, but I'm, it's a happy accident. Cause I'm, I'm glad that like, uh, it's not just like a bunch of, uh, just whatever nonsense, right? <laughs> no, which, which, uh, yeah. I mean, I love. I mean, you know, nonsense is cool too. It can work too. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I guess the best stuff is like a combination of nonsense and you know, like, and mean, you know, like where you're, yeah, like what I was saying, like where there's phrases that maybe are, yeah, just there to sound cool, but then you kind of mix that with with some other kind of more meaningful stuff. Sure. Yeah. Listen, man, I mean, like, uh, I want to hold your hand. Uh, that's a pretty basic, uh, almost nonsensical, uh, easy peasy statement, but also contains some of the most deep and profound uh, elements of deep. human longing, uh, you know, if you look at it from a certain angle. So well, yeah, you're it, in good me- company. Music is cool like that because it, it'll always, if you're putting words to, you know, it's like the the musical, the melodic element is always going to kind of imbue like this like power you know to to the to the words that like might totally. not be there you know so it's yeah it's 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 really that's what's really fun about making music and listening to music it's just like you know sometimes you yeah if you, if you kind of isolate a lyric from a song you're like this is dumb but then you hear it in the context <laughs> and it's like it's the most important thing absolutely yeah no we 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 run into that all the fucking time on this show talking about bob dylan and lou reed and steely dan and the velvets and stuff like that like you you look at a a a couplet on the page you know on genius or on bob dylan's lyric website or something uh and it's like what the what is what is this this is ridiculous this is this is meaningless and then you listen to it in the song and it's like oh wow this is there's so much going on here yeah and yeah i mean dylan is really good at yeah mixing the the kind of nonsense with like you know some of the deepest you know lyrics it's just yeah he's he's (laughs) yeah it's it's good he's he can be funny and also like you know break your heart or whatever that's our man dude you got an i'm contractually obligated to ask this being you know founded as a bob dylan appreciation program do you get any favorite bob stuff i mean you know i yeah i now i'm blanking on the name of the record that's like my favorite one which is uh the one where he's it's 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 got like maggie's farm on it uh what's the name uh, of the record bring it all back home yeah that's that's my favorite one that's my favorite one that's one i can always come back to and i mean i love blonde and blonde too but uh that's probably my era i would say i mean obviously it's like kind of so obvious like i i feel self-conscious talking to you guys about this but but i mean i mean i love the 70s stuff too i love self-portrait um i see a lot of self-portrait in the real estate in in what what you're doing especially like these later real estate records where it's just like it's such a chill vibe like a guy who has like kind of found his place in the world and like is surrounded by people he loves like at yeah i love that i mean my my other favorite is john wesley harding because it's just it's just so funky oh that's probably that's like that's like maybe actually that might be the record i've listened to the most of his that i keep because it's just like those arrangements are so awesome they're so wild Um, you can always go back to that record it's so weird yeah, it's a great record. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, it's just that the thing is, is like I don't find myself listening to a lot of Dylan now. I, sure. you know, and, and and maybe I should probably revisit it because it's like it's one of those things where you appreciate it so much, you know, and then you're like, yeah, this, this is just here, like it's like there to come back to, but then you kind of forget about it, and it's like I do that with Elliot Smith, where like every every mm. every couple of years, I'm like, I'll remember how good it is, you know. You know, and then you burn yourself out on it and then you got to take a break. Yeah, I, got, I have the same thing with Radiohead where like every two to five years, I'll just like listen to everything endlessly 
and that's it. And then I'll just like, yeah, I'll put it away. And then I got to go live my life for another couple of years yeah. and then come back to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, I'm in like a pseudo Radiohead moment right now. They're, yeah. yeah. They're great. Great band. Radiohead, pretty good, pretty good band. Radiohead, pretty good band. Um, the uh, just another totally random thing that occurred while I was listening to the record, the Berrytown reference in Flowers uh, on yeah. on Daniel. I'm sure that is an actual thing that happened to you. It, it reads that way at least. But is there any part of that that is a Steely Dan reference also? I can see by what you carry that you come from Berrytown. No, it is because there is no. There's no inn in Barrytown. Okay. That's all. Made, that's a made up. That's like that's one of the things that I got into on this record. Not a lot of it, but there's a few things where I was just like, I'm just gonna make stuff up. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of about like that song's kind of about like living up here in the Hudson Valley. Like mo- when I kind of first moved up here and kind of right. discovering the area, um, like a long time ago. But yeah, Barrytown is a real place. Um, that is like uh up near Tivoli and it's like near Bard. Um, yeah, obviously. So like, uh. I've been there. Um, but yeah, it just sound, it kind of sounded good in the in the lyrics and, and it is definitely I mean, obviously just like a tiny nod to to the Dan. I figure, you know, if, if someone's dropping the phrase Barrytown, even even a resident of upstate New York at this point, you know, this that's gotta be a, a wink and a nod. I kind of felt like I remember put, putting it in I mean, I wrote that song really fast. Like definitely the fastest song I wrote on the record. Um oh, wow. in like in a couple hours. But uh I remember I put it in there and I was like, maybe this is the only other song that mentions Barrytown. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm going to put this in here just because like what other song mentions Barrytown other than Barrytown? Yeah, you're in pretty good company. That when, yeah. when Spotify puts together the Barrytown playlist, it'll be Barrytown by Stanley Dan and Flowers by Real Estate. And that's, that's right. <laughs> um, cool. Um, the, think about the band also just over time, right? Like real estate records and real estate the entity the band are kind of like opposites in in a way at least the way that i'm you know look at them like the records always consistent and you know they they do what what they set out to do regardless of what that project is going into the record whether it's making a you know big crazy record like the last one or making a pop song record like this one um at the same time the band itself has been in a pretty constant state of evolution you know since you guys founded it 15 whatever years ago um sammy niss is the new drummer on this record um and the through line is really at this point just like you and bleaker um how have you how have you managed to stay real estate right like so essentially true to yourselves while at the same time almost being like a, a band of theseus with people departing and coming in and evolving over time yeah i mean it i guess well i mean part of it is just like it's a lot of it is just it's a vehicle for kind of my songwriting and also mm-hmm. Alex's you know he's he's had songs on most of our albums and so it's like there's that constant of like you know whatever my sense of melody or my my boy my literal voice you know um that is gonna remain constant and I think also kind of having this you know with a lot of our records having a pretty solid idea of like what I want the arrangements to be. So there, I mean, there's that, but there's also just like, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think that you can hear the evolution through the records. So it's mm. like, it's there. And hopefully, I mean, like we had, we did kind of settle on a lineup for a few years there. And then Jackson, our former drummer 
you know, basically quit the band because he didn't want to tour and like, that's totally cool. And we're on good terms. Like he's a great guy. So like all that stuff is cool, but it was like, um, you know, I guess, um, what I was going to say is just like, it, it, to me, it's like, we, I feel like we have settled into this thing now. And Sammy now has, at this point, she's been in the band for four years. Like she mm -hmm. joined the band right before we were supposed to go on that big tour that we had tour. to cancel. Sure. You know, she was going to be the drummer on that tour. And then, um, so she's done some stuff with us over the years since then. And then obviously this is her first time in a record with us, but like, a she's great. And she's like a really great musician. I think she really like shines on this album. Her, her drumming is like really excellent. Um, but yeah, I think to me, it has always been the goal was like to hopefully finally settle into something that will resemble like a, a real band that is a constant, you know, and like Matt, our keyboard player has been in the band, I don't know, 12 years at this point. Yeah. I remember when you guys, you know, he, cause I was a huge girls fan back in the day and I was yeah, so same. stoked to see him just like, Oh shit, girls is gone. But now Matt Kelman's in real estate. Yeah. That was, that was a coup to get him. I mean, honestly, like I'd met him a few times. We, we were, we were like friendly and stuff. And I just called him out of the blue. I was like, do you want to, we're about to make a record he joined like right before he made atlas i was like we have these songs written like do you want to come to the studio and like yeah make a record with us and yeah he's been in the band since then he's great and then you know julian has only oh i mean he's at this point he's been in the band like eight years sure so and also we're like childhood friends you know we've known each other since high school or even before that a little bit so um it feels very natural to have him there so yeah, I guess the what I'm saying is like the yeah, the goal is to have it feel like a thing where and it does feel like this at this point where we're we've kind of settled into this lineup and and uh yeah, I don't know. Keep it going. That's really <laughs> and yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's yeah, this this in terms of the the sound like yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you can hear the difference between the records that like you know, we're, you know, Julian has a very distinct style totally. from, you know, Matt, the previous guitar player and like, but, but then also like, I, I, to be honest, like I've, I've written a lot of the lead guitar parts from the beginning. So like, there's just always, there's this mix of like things that come from me and then, and then the, the contributions from everybody else. And that's kind of, yeah, what gives each record its own thing. Sure. On that note, sort of, you've released, uh, I guess two now, right? Like, excellent solo records. Uh, you were talking about one earlier, Magic Signs and Many Moons also. Uh, I guess it, it makes sense that it sounds like um, uh, Magic Signs came out just as a you know series of exercises or, or you just kind of being cooped up during the COVID uh, uh, era and, and putting that record together on your own. But how do you kind of conceive of the difference between Martin Courtney material and real estate material? I mean, it, 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 I guess it's, it ends up coming in coming out in the execution of the actual like recordings i mean <laughs> honestly like i because i i mean and there's a big difference even between the the my most recent solo record and the first one i made with jarvis who i think you interviewed i sure jarvis did jarvis from Woods. yeah um so he and i made that first one as kind of like a as like a collaborative thing and so a lot of those most of those songs were written not with i mean like i wrote the songs but like he and I like it was very much with him in mind and like he and I were you know he wrote all the bass parts and like so that record feels like like I, to the point where I I was like trying to come up with I was like let's come up with a band name you know like in, sure. and then it, at like t while we were like t t towards the end of recording that album it was still like 
I was trying to think of what we were going to call it. And he was like, this is a solo record. Like you should put your name on this. Like he was the one that was like, this is your, like, you know, like this is your record, you know, or whatever. And like, he encouraged me to do that, which, but you know, his pictures on the back of the record, like it's very much like him and I, um, and then this new one here, the more recent one was like, I had written those songs. Yeah. Like very early on in lockdown, they're like, I mean, they're like right after, basically right after we canceled all this touring, I just started writing. Cause I was like, well, if we can't tour, maybe we can just like make another record. And so I was writing kind of for real estate um, or with the band in mind. And then, um, you know, like I said, as time dragged on, it kind of made less sense to do it with them. And, mm. and you know, it just, it just was like going to be kind of another disappointment, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, so I decided to kind of do that as a solo record too. But that I, this was, it was more like what, it would be fun to try and play everything other than the drums, sure. you know? And like, that was something that I had never done other than like, I had done always throughout the years in terms when I was demoing songs, like, and I really love doing that. It's such a fun process. So I was like, it would just be fun to make a record the way I make demos, but, you know, make try to try to make it sound better. Um, and so, I mean, obviously I brought in Matt Barrick on drums and he and I, recorded all that stuff in philly um but yeah so it's it's him and and then i brought all that stuff home and kind of layered it all at myself but yeah i guess what i'm saying is there, there i guess the difference is like just in the way i'm the way that records get made um right. sadly i don't really that's like i don't <laughs> have like a different mode that i go into um but i do i mean i guess with this record with the the new real estate record there was kind of a different mode where i was like for the first time, like had this sort of, yeah, kind of style that I was trying to write towards. I do just have to, I'm because it's on the tip of my uh, brain at the moment. And if you, you know, if the answer to this question is like, no thoughts, I don't care, you know, doesn't matter to me, totally fine, understood. But uh, I'm sure you've seen pitchfork.com recently passed away or is, is changing, uh, you know, pretty fundamentally at this point in time. And you guys are one of, you know, real estate, I found out about you guys through Pitchfork. You know, I, I remember the mm -hmm. first record showed up on the best records of 2009 list, I think. And Beachcomber, I just, you know, fell head, head over heels uh, for. Um, do you have any thoughts one way or the other on, you know, maybe not even Pitchfork specifically, but just the way that kind of the critical apparatus surrounding rock and roll, indie rock has changed over the last 15 years? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, alarming, I guess, <laughs> you know, it's like, I would say, like, it kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, other things that I've noticed about, you know, or just obvious things were like streaming and just like it, how it's kind of getting harder to whatever, to get attention even. Um, and for like, you know, you see these records come out and um, they kind of come and go. And that's like, it just feels like it's all rolled into that, I guess. It's, you know, yeah. I mean, it's easy to kind of be snarky about Pitchfork and we've definitely had our like, uh, I mean, they've obviously been, they were very kind to us, you know, in the, especially in our first few records. Like, so we, we, I, 100%, I, I don't think we would have, yeah, gotten to the point that we got to without them. So it's like, I, yeah, I'm very, um, 
thankful for that. And yeah, and it's a bummer to see uh, people who are like basically professional, like music fans, you know, people like, I, I, yeah, I was just talking about this in a different interview, but it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's really uh, like, I, I don't think I could commit to that level of like caring about music. Like, I, I care <laughs> about music, but like to be a, to be like a, a critic, you know, or like to be like a music journalist, even it's like, you really have to like, that has to be your life. And like, I, yeah. So it's, it's, I have respect for that. I think that's cool. And so it's a bummer uh, to see people. And it's like, yeah, it's scary. Like, it's like, I'm sure they figured like that would always be there and now it's not. So that's, it's uh, I feel for them. Um, and also, yeah, it just does. It just, it just doesn't seem to bode well, I guess for like yeah. bad vibes music. in general, <laughs> bad vibes all around for sure. Um, but you know, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully it all works out. I just, I, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it, stuff like this, like doing, you know, podcast interviews or whatever like it, it just feels like yeah i you're trying to figure out how like to have people know about your music that you're working so hard on and sure. you know what i mean and it's like uh if that's not there then then it's like it's got to be new different things and i guess that's the whole thing i feel, feel i just feel things feel very up in the air and maybe maybe they'll settle down and there'll be like a new paradigm but I, yeah i don't really know yeah, it's uh, definitely, you know, an earth-shaking moment in, uh, yeah, it in, feels like in it. this little universe here, the the sun, you know, around which all of the all of the little planets have orbited for so long has kind of has kind of gone out. But, but also, uh, you know, yeah, they're they were really annoying for a yeah, lot absolutely. of different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Dog shit sometimes. <laughs> they really they really piss me off a lot um for for lots of different reasons, but you know, uh you know, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, you know, it's, we're all, we're all conflicted human beings. We're all conflicted websites. Uh, there, there were some great things about Pitchfork and some, you know, obviously less than, less than great yeah. things. Yeah. I do love how they're basically universally, it's being talked about in the past tense. Like, even though like, like they are like, still publishing they're, reviews they're and news still and stuff. Around yeah. And like, it's like, they're, the whole thing was like, they're being whatever, like restructured or folded into like GQ or something. But it's like, everyone's like, yeah, it's too bad. They're dead now. It's gone. It's, like, <laughs> it's all good. It's just can't even read any of it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess we'll see. I, once whatever that evolution into GQ is, you know, happens, I think that'll be, it'll, it'll be warranted more the, the, um, you know, uh, eulogizing that's been going on for it. But yeah, it's, it's an auspicious, uh, omen, I think at this moment in time. Yeah. Uh, Cool. I think that's about it. One last question, just to because I like to ask this question when I have actual musicians that I'm a fan of um, at my at my uh, beck and call here in these interviews. Do you have because I have my favorite real estate songs? Do you have favorite real estate songs? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I have I have a favorite. I mean, I like I I really like the Atlas album. You know, I mean, other than the new one, which honestly we always say the new ones are favorite, but I, I really think this is our best. Like, I really, really love this new record. Sure. I, like just, I think it turned out great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it changes. I, my, you know, my favorite song to play live, usually the one that like we, I have to sprinkle at like a very, like it, 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 where it falls in the live set is like very important in terms of like my, vibe like mm. how i feel on stage <laughs> is um had to hear which is the first song on atlas i on just atlas, really yeah. like i really like playing that song and it makes me feel good and like kind of gets me psyched um and people seem to like hearing it so it's like 
yeah i mean i I don't know if that's my favorite song i've ever written or anything like that but it's definitely like it's up there you know of um, among like songs that we continue to play totally and hopefully you know it's that's the thing like we'll, we'll be playing all these new songs and i have yet to see like sometimes or always usually it's it's surprising which ones end up being the most fun live you know your favorite song on the record might end up being like not your favorite one to play live and, and vice versa. Sure. Now, have you guys worked out set lists at all yet? We have a massive list of songs that a we're potential supposed to be set lists. practicing, <laughs> like basically songs that are going to go. Cause we never, we, yeah, it's always a different set list every night. So, but we need to have a pool to draw from at this point. It's kind of hard right. to be like, yeah, just know everything because like <laughs> a, a, like Sammy's only the ba- been in the band a few years and we haven't really, tour we've done like one tour with her so she's we kind of have to like gradually be like here learn the learn these songs learn these songs but even for me actually not this i could probably whip out any of our songs just because it's like i don't know why it's just my parts are pretty easy and like i just know them but uh for the rest of the band it's like you got to give them some heads up to like <laughs> here's what you need to rehearse so there's a lot of shit now yeah, it's, yeah. you gotta you there's gotta... a lot of songs yeah. So we, yeah, we've, we've got, yeah, we basically, we have like a big pool that we're practicing that we'll be drawing from for the tour and hopefully we'll be adding to it as tour goes along, you know, practicing stuff during sound checks or whatever. Stoked. Yeah. I, uh, can't wait to see the latest incarnation of real estate on the road. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for joining us here again, folks. The record is Daniel out now, wherever you Listen to, stream, purchase, acquire music. Try to try to buy it. You yeah, know, don't be, stream it. <laughs> come on, don't, that's pennies for these guys. They 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 poured their blood, sweat, and tears into this record. Yeah, go buy um, it. Buy a, buy a t-shirt while you're at it. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> do it for martin courtney in conversation on jokerman podcast thanks again to martin and alex bleaker and all the rest of the crew in real estates for making another fantastic front to back just charming delightful endlessly replayable record daniel out now on domino about ready to head out on tour across these united states as well so if they're coming through your hood, make sure to head out and catch them. And they're playing a couple shows here in my hood of San Francisco. One at Bimbo's, I think end of March, and another in just a couple days at the Independence on Divisadero. They're doing like a rock and roll bingo show. I can't wait to see what they get up to with that whole thing. If you see me there, you know, say what's up. Say namaste. Namaste.